for me, entrepreneurship right now is, is really about having conviction and a vision and then focus to execute. I think it's about really narrowing what you're working on and what the opportunities are and uh, what your daily tasks are so that you can execute at the highest level. Um, so I think in the beginning, I thought entrepreneurship was a lot more about dreaming and, and, uh, and iterating. And today I see it much more as focus and execution. Um, it's, I think it's easy. It's not easy, but a, a great idea can come from anywhere. And people talk about all the time, you know, oh, I need to protect my idea and, and things like that. But I mean, share your ideas because it, it's going to come down to being able to execute on those. That's the hardest piece. And so to me, the, this, the sign of a great entrepreneur and the ones I've grown to respect are the best executors. Hi, and welcome to the Sliced Podcast, where we share startup stories from founders, investors, and CEOs from across the globe. A little bit about our platform, Startup Blog Post, is that we're a community where aspiring entrepreneurs and venture capital ecosystem stakeholders can share meaningful insights, engage with colleagues and peers, and stay informed. Hi, and welcome back to the Sliced Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Ahrens. Today's guest is Alex Ryden, founder and CEO of Guesthouse. Guesthouse is a staging company that creates beautiful spaces anyone can shop with furniture from premium brands. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to learn more and kind of jump in. I have some notes in front of me and they are quite extensive. You've been busy, so we have a lot to go over. Um, so to get started, kind of walk us back through the beginning. You're originally from California? Yeah, I grew up in California. I grew up in San Diego and uh, spent my childhood and, and major first part of my life there until I was 18. And then I went to school in Santa Barbara. I went to UCSB. I'm a gaucho. Um, not a lot of them in Colorado, but a good amount. Um, and so uh, graduated from UCSB and then... Uh, had an interesting opportunity to uh, move to Colorado in 2012 and work in advertising. Didn't know a lot about Colorado, didn't know a lot about advertising. So I said, what the heck, let's do it. And uh, 20, uh, you know, feels like 20 years, 10 years later, <laughs> I'm still here and still uh, ex just more excited than ever about the state. That's so exciting. Um, this is because it looks like your background was like in that communication space, which is similar to mine. Um so it looks like you've been a copywriter and a writer for most of your early career. Yeah. You know, I've always been really interested in connecting people, connecting to people through storytelling. So um, happened to be a pretty decent writer, uh, worked in, uh, worked in journalism when uh, right before people started to say Prince is dead and during the period when people started to say print is dead and, uh, and really worked in journalism for beer money. But as I graduated and started to hear that chant more and more, I was like, this doesn't feel like the right career path or the most sustainable career path. Um, so I really thought, well, what, what can I do with uh, writing that uh, is beyond necessarily uh, uh, magazines and, and publications and learn about copywriting? And so 
dove into that kind of headfirst after graduating, working with uh, some some amazing brands to start. I had the opportunity to work with Oakley and North Face and uh, worked with uh, Aspen Snowmass out here in Colorado and mm -hmm. uh, Sports Authority and I was still a company and, and, you know, did everything from a storytelling standpoint from, you know, tiny little banner ads when that was the most innovative thing you could deliver to your client uh, with smart digital marketing all the way to out of home uh, billboards uh, and, and, and even TV commercials. So um, cut my teeth in advertising and really learned the art of telling, telling the story to get people excited there. That's so cool. And I, I love storytelling, obviously. <laughs> it's why what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing, but that's really neat. So then how did storytelling, how did you become an entrepreneur? It looks like you were a co-founder in 2014 of a company. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really love the idea of having a brand myself. I had worked with a lot of brands and got to be on the outside and bring new ideas to the table and help them grow and get more customers. Uh, so I really had deep down the desire to have, a, I guess, a child of my own. Right. And starting a brand was something I was passionate about. I had I have a great friend, uh, one of my best friends that uh, I started a bag brand with uh, right out of college and we used to go to flea markets and uh, started to sell online a little bit and uh, that grew into a wholesale business where we started to work with wholesale uh, essentially men's boutique stores in uh, San Diego, Denver, San Francisco, Houston, New York, um, started to do a little bit with larger retail retailers online like Coffin Mercantile. Um, and grew that business to a, a fun little, um, a fun little size where it was still our side thing it was growing and had real revenue, real customers. Um, but it was at that point where it was like, okay, what are we doing here? Are we going to jump in? Are we going to grow this thing? What's happening? And, you know, I've been working in advertising for a while. And at the time I thought maybe, you know, maybe I go try this. So backed off from advertising, made a career switch and. Uh, at the same time, had bought a, a little little Victorian house in Denver. That was a old 1883 townhouse. Found out that the zoning was mixed use. So I put oh. two things together. I said, okay, in life, I'm buying this house. It's mixed use. Means you can run a business out of it if you wanted to. Right. On the other side of my life is is uh, the business. I'd like to grow this and take the next step and have better margin and sell directly to people. Have a storefront. This is awesome. Let's do it and uh, launched our first ever H Carriers. Uh, that's the name of the bag brand, H, A-G-E Carriers. Mm -hmm. So you can go to the website, shameless plug, hcarriers.com. We'll still put your <laughs> order. Um, that that uh, website, uh, you know, was really where people could only buy products at that point and decided to open up the first brick and mortar retail. And you could come and shop the bags and the keychains and the um, backpacks and duffel bags inside my home. Uh, on kind of Friday, Saturday, Sundays, uh, and and have a cup of coffee and look at our latest collections. Um, it was great. It was exciting to do that. Uh, that totally failed and started Guest House. Okay, I was gonna say I love the whole idea of shopping like inside your home. I think that's really really fun and really unique. I mean, there's a couple boutiques just around town here in Denver that 
you know, even if they offer you like a glass of champagne while you're shopping, it just does, it just elevates your whole experience and it adds that personal touch. I'm sorry to hear it was a flop, but. <laughs> well, what, what actually happened was um, probably the whole reason why we're here and talking about something that's bigger and, and different today. Um, we opened the store for people to come shop our bags. And what happened was they came inside and said, the bags are cool. Thanks for the coffee. But what about that coffee table? What about that lamp? What about that sofa? Is that oh. for sale too? And I said, no, none of it's for sale. Like, but maybe it could be. And mm-hmm. at that moment, we sort of had this insight that maybe another business exists here. And we made everything inside of our home for sale along with the bags. So instead of getting upset that people weren't necessarily buying bags and asking about uh, the furniture instead, I sort of embraced that interest and started to launch a business around it. That's really unique. That must have been weird at first to have like a bunch of people saying, hey, can I buy your lamp? Yeah, especially when that stuff was from maybe Craigslist, antique store. (laughs) It was even from Target in the beginning. We just had curated, curated stuff in a way that we liked and other, I guess other people liked and um, quickly decided, okay, we need to represent some brands here alongside ours. We got in um, different Scandinavian brands, serial magazine was carried in, through us and we we're the first retailer uh, outside of another retailer called Steadbrook. And uh, we took a lot of pride in bringing on brands to actually intentionally sell, but set it up as if it was uh, a lived in home. So we got away from, okay, sell my used coffee table here, or the couch I don't want, and actually put in products that uh, people could either pick up or we could drop ship uh, through our, our vendor relationships to their home. And it was kind of like a showroom where you walk into restoration hardware, maybe you can leave with a couple of small pieces, but the rest of it will ship to your doorstep in a couple of weeks. That's so cool. And so thus, Guest House was born. Thus, Guest House was born, at least the first uh, iteration, which was, I just thought the furthest we were going to get to was my house. And uh, right. and so we were really focused on, all right, how do we open up maybe a couple more days in here? How do we, uh, can we, can we, like, can you shop the upstairs? Like, you know, asking all these questions. Meanwhile, my wife's, uh, my girl, then girlfriend, now wife, Erin, was asking me, when are people going to stop coming? Because I sort of just want my house back on the weekends and I want to watch football and hang out. And okay. Very, um, very valid point as well. Like how do we, how do we uh, match these two needs, right? Happy girlfriend uh, with happy uh, customers and started to talk to some friends uh, that were in real estate. And they said, well, what if you did what you're doing inside your home inside our homes and we'd actually pay you to do that. It's called staging. I said, mm-hmm. well, it's staging. And, and all of a sudden we kind of learned about this whole kind of bedroom industry at the time where certain realtors were paying to have furniture put inside empty homes uh, to replicate what it would be like to live in that home since the owner had moved out. And really they saw, all, you know, the few agents that were doing it at the time were really seeing a higher sell through higher asking price, um, or sorry, higher offer amount above asking price. And uh, they're definitely, not every single agent was doing it then. And uh, we said, yeah, let's do it. And we, our first home we did was an apartment inside the Four Seasons. Uh, it was like a 
you know, at the time, I think a million and a half dollar apartment, which just seems mind blowing or condo, I should say. But today I'm sure it's $3 million or something. And, uh, and we, we decked it out. We did the dining room, we did the living room. It's amazing. Um, had a photographer buddy come in and shoot it for you know, us to market online and really brought in this intentionality that I think was missing for staging where it was, hey, let's let's really have a vision for this space beyond what's available and let's pull in you know the brands that we'd actually want to buy and the products we'd actually want to buy if we were buying this home. And then let's photograph the whole thing to make it look really good online and let's sell to both people walking into the space uh, that are naturally touring it and uh, potentially buying it as well as let's sell the people that are on Instagram and let's sell the people that are on Pinterest. Let's sell the people that are coming to our website. So you're kind of able to market to two different audiences through, uh, uh, actually a, uh, a home that you're getting paid to bring to life. So the business was cash flow positive essentially from day one, because we we're getting paid to create these showrooms and that model and th that unit that we staged, uh, ended up getting an offer in 20 minutes for above asking and had been in the market for eight weeks before then. Uh, wow. That realtor at the time, Stan, uh, with Slate Real Estate said, this is great, we gotta keep doing this. Uh, and then quickly grew to more listings with Stan, uh, some good press and a lot more listings with a lot more agents. I just think it's genius. And I um, have a lot of friends who are looking to buy homes in the Denver area, which has just been a terrible experience for them thus far. Um, but fun for me because I get to go and look and be moral, moral support. Um, but one of my friends just went and looked at one last weekend and it was staged so beautifully. And um, I just know that it's a large part of the reason she, she did offer what she did. You know, it was just, it, it allures people, you know, it, it just, it draws them in and to cut out a lot of that work for them right off the bat, like guest house does, you know, the ability to purchase is just so smart and I'm sure just such a benefit for so many people. And it really does make a difference when it looks nice. I think people, as you know, are able to really visualize themselves. They're, living there you know yeah that's exactly it i think if if there wasn't a benefit there to your friend who's actually looking for a home um and making it appealing to her then this business would have just stayed inside my home uh and i think the reality is we, we i like to think we built something that was really at the time uh just based on listening to customers who wanted interesting products, but then found a much larger need for it in a growing, growing space, uh, around real estate and, and staging. And, um, I think the best things in life aren't necessarily forced, right? We're, we're not a public company at this point. We're not printing billions of dollars, but the business is definitely growing. And, and I think that it's because we're solving some unique needs that weren't being addressed before. I think there's lots of great staging companies that exist, but, they're not coming at it from the same lifestyle driven angle, the same intentionality that we are. We're, we're really thinking through the products we put inside the home and the brands behind them. And then for the home buyer, we've only seen the need accelerate even more around, Hey, this is a turnkey home. You're, you're buying this house, but you can also buy all the furnishings inside too. And what that means is 
you can have a dinner party the first night that you get the keys. You can work from home the next morning that you get the keys. You can sleep in your own bed, in your own house, literally the moment the realtor gives you the keys. And there's is such a, this weird anticlimactic moment that happens when you buy a house. Like I, when I bought our house seven years ago, it was like this moment where great, here's the keys. And I went inside the house had been on the market forever because it was this older house and it kind of had been listed weird. I get inside. There's not only not furniture in there, there's cobwebs, like it's dirty. I'm like, I spent my life savings on this thing and I can't and even this? enjoy it. Like I put in all this work now to like even begin to enjoy it. Right. And to be able to give people, give ho- new home buyers, new homeowners the opportunity to move in somewhere that they feel they're at home day one, that's just something I think is really special at the end of the day because this is such an emotional purchase. This is such a oh my gosh. big yeah. purchase, a life-changing purchase. If we can help even just give them the office or give them the guest bedroom or you know, we're starting to do nurseries, like give them the baby room, that's a win in our book. And, it, and if you start to look at the time, uh, the time that we live in, you know, we're up against things like supply chain challenges and to piece together the home you really want, that couch takes 15 weeks now sometimes, or mm-hmm. that coffee table, t- that dining table takes 20 weeks. I've heard from multiple customers that have come to us and picked up inventory from our warehouse that we sell at, at warehouse sales and said, thanks for, thanks for this, I can have Thanksgiving dinner now, right? Because people are literally having to skip holidays and skip hosting because they're not able to get products in time. So I think by putting the products inside the home, we're hopefully getting ahead of that for certain people that love the look so they can just start living right away instead of moving in and project managing and planning and being in this nebulous space for, for a period of time. Right. I'm curious, just with your copywriting background and that content background that you won an Emmy for in 2018, which I'd like to circle back to, but um, do you feel like you're able to put any of that to use in what you're doing with Guest House? Is there any, is there a marriage there between the two? I try to write as little of the content on the site and the LinkedIn and the Instagram as possible. We have in my opinion, much smarter people at the business now that can do that wonderfully. I think my job today as who, who my audience is for storytelling uh, isn't necessarily the consumer every day. It's, uh, it's our team and sharing the vision and uh, the investors we brought on board and really instilling the opportunity and the story in, in them so that they feel ownership and can help grow this much bigger than I could have ever imagined. So um, I think I, I definitely saved money on on copywriter costs in the beginning because I was doing all the web website copywriting and mm-hmm. I was posting all of our photos on Instagram and doing all that stuff. And definitely a lot of that uh, was me, and I could you know continue to produce decently well there, but. Uh, after raising money and having the opportunity to bring much smarter people on to the company than me, I, I think it's been amazing to just figure out where can I be most effective with telling the story now. And, and to me, that's building a great company and a great culture and, and, uh, and a great vision to transform an industry. Awesome. Well, speaking of the vision, looks like Guest House is currently available in Denver, Boulder, Colorado Springs, and San Diego. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, we're, we're also in Vail. 
and oh. and we're planning to launch a new market next month. So we will let you know when that happens. Awesome. I was going to ask about expansion. Do you think you'll mainly stay in the Colorado, California space? I would say West for sure yes. right now. Um, okay. it's just, it's just, there's a lot of uh, efficiencies here and there's a lot of people moving here. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think West can mean a lot of different States beyond California and, uh, and Colorado, but mm-hmm. we're razor focused on looking at expansion through the lens of, uh, where is population, uh, growth being predicted along with, the health of the real estate market in those areas. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest or just an obstacle that you had to overcome to get to where you are today with guest house? Great question. I should have read this one on your, on your little <laughs> It's okay. You, you can answer over. on the fly. You can do um, it. The biggest obstacle. Um, I think I have, uh, I think I'm a good bootstrapper. I think I took a lot on early on and um, managed to get a lot done with a small team. I had some amazing people involved before we had funding that were also great bootstrappers and just are super executional and um, just savvy and just frankly, just badasses, just able to get so much done in just a small period of time. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me has been you know, as we set this vision and, and raise money and, and grow the company, like how, how are we transitioning from a few people doing all the work to a lot of people just hyper-focused and executing on specific pieces of that work. So I think transitioning from a, a, a great idea and a great uh, bootstrap business that was profitable to a very operational company, uh, operationally intensive company that has a lot of complexity from engineering all the way to warehousing and figuring out the right people for that um, has been probably the biggest enjoyment and biggest point of growth for me over the last 12 months is just recruiting and onboarding and empowering and for, uh, uh, figuring out how we're uh, really exceeding OKRs and uh, building a culture that people not only are obsessed about, but are asking their friends to come and join. I think all of that has been something I haven't had the, the opportunity to, to get the reins on with, you know, a dozen or so people. Um, and I'm definitely starting to get more and more control of those, uh, of those reins and, and, and I think getting more excited and more confident every day. Um, so I would say that's probably the biggest challenge is just building a company and a culture. You know, it's, it's not something that there's a, a guidebook on how to do that. Um, there's a lot of good material and a lot of good mentors out there, but it really has to be this, it really has to come from this place of authenticity, but, but also intentionality, um, that drives the, the outcome you, you want to see for the year. Right. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And speaking of kind of building the company and those building blocks, could you tell us a little bit about your experience fundraising? Yeah. You know, my experience fundraising, um, I had been around fundraising with some other startups before guest house and I had um, some certain perspective on it um, and really wanted to see, okay, I don't want to be, I don't want to be this company that needs to go raise money to prove that 
you have product market fit. I want to have product market fit before we raise money. I want to get far along. I want to have real customers, real revenue. I want to grow this thing. So that's what we did. We, we bootstrapped it and it got to the point where I said, I don't know if we need to raise money. I'm just going to keep building this thing. And, um, and at that time I had a friend who, um, who was a uh, part of, uh, she, you know, she started a company, uh, and introduced me to Chris Erickson, who is at, uh, he's at range yeah. and we just started a conversation around fundraising and that, that, um, that friend is, is Liz. Um, and she started a company called Suna and she introduced me to Chris and we started to hit it off. And, uh, I didn't really pitch him and I just more let him know about the business and what we were up to, not really looking for a term sheet or anything. And we got a term sheet, uh, in a couple weeks after talking to Chris and, and, uh, and their team and, um, what Chris and Adam at range really sold me on is like, okay, you can get it to a certain point, but what about that next point? And like, how far can you push this thing? And what happens if you have like, really special resources behind the business? And what happens when you have really intelligent investors like them? And they, uh, they've been delivering on that since day one. They're, they're amazing investors. Uh, we took the term sheet from them and have been off to the races since. And, uh, if I hadn't taken the investment, I wouldn't have been able to hire most of the people that are now supporting the business today and have gotten it to a point I could have never imagined. Um, so fundraising, bootstrapping is fun and rewarding and invigorating, but fundraising is, uh, is what really accelerates the vision. And that's what's been happening over the last 12 months. So um, I've been really inspired by the guys at range and then we've had the opportunity to bring on a lot of other investors uh, that are super intelligent and super focused and help us think about the business in ways we haven't and challenge the model and uh, challenge the growth plans and healthy and inspiring ways so um, all in all fundraising has been a really fun journey and interesting journey um, that's the happy path the, the path to to get there, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've definitely experienced fundraising, um, getting rejection and getting a lot of no's and, and working through that. Um, as we, you know, we, you get a term sheet from the lead and then you have, uh, you have to fill the round. So you have to bring in mm -hmm. a handful of other investors to close around. And that process takes, took a while, uh, not a, you know, so honestly, like a month and a half, but it felt like ages with all the conversations we had in that period of time. Um, and so it's, it's both rewarding and also uh, checks your ego very hard um, in the healthiest of ways. And uh, so it's been, it's been a great experience overall. That's awesome. And not to bring us down, but I am curious, just you mentioned like checking the ego you know, what's a piece of advice that you would have for somebody who's not having a great experience fundraising and who is experiencing, you know, maybe some rejection from investors? Um, yeah, I mean, that's going to happen. Um, I, I, I log all of every single conversation we have with investors in a spreadsheet and the date and uh, the email response we receive with the outcome and any notes from the conversation. I mean, 
look at it as your opportunity to learn a lot more about your business than you could in any period of time, because you're talking with so many smart people um, so quickly that are looking at your business with a fresh perspective. So I, I would see, say, don't hear rejection as um, don't hear no as rejection and something that's deflating, but look at it as a way, uh, a path to improving your business very quickly and uh, look at it as free advice and a, and, and a free um, guide to, to improving your process or your addressable market, improving your pitch, your story. I think all that can, um, it's amazing the amount of feedback you can get in 30 minutes. And so um, I, I think it's easy when you're trying to get something done. If everyone's telling you no, it's easy to get down, but just log that experience and uh, take note of that feedback and don't take it personally. It's, it's, it's a business. It's not you. And so um, that's what I would say is, you know, remove the ego and just listen. And as you execute on what's being said in the future, it's probably going to improve, you know, at least yeah. a good bit of your business. I'd say there's a lot of other reasons investors say no sometimes that necessarily aren't impactful to your business. It could be a timing thing. It could be just a personal preference thing and just brush that stuff off because there's, um, there's more, there's more money out there than there are opportunities to invest in. And so remember that you're on the side of the table that uh, has the demand. Oh, I think I like that. That's great. That I feel like people don't think about that that often. <laughs> That's really a lot cool. of funds out there, a yeah. lot of money and not a lot of great ideas. So I, I mean, there's, uh, there's definitely empowerment in thinking about it that way. Yeah. Well, you've obviously learned quite a bit just through this experience and the ones previous. How would you say your view of what being an entrepreneur is has changed from when you first started to now? Yeah. Um, I think my, my view of entrepreneurship in the beginning was you come up with a lot of ideas and, and you test them and you see what works and, um, and uh, you pivot and you've, you're quick on your feet and scrappy and all that stuff that you do to take it, uh, take it to the next level and, uh, and, and get your, your, um, your vision out there. Um, but I think where I've shifted now is um, it's, it's, for me, entrepreneurship right now is, is really about having conviction and a vision and then focus to execute. I think it's about really narrowing what you're working on and what the opportunities are and uh, what your daily tasks are so that you can execute at the highest level. Um, so I think in the beginning, I thought entrepreneurship was a lot more about dreaming and, and, uh, and iterating. And today I see it much more as focus and execution. Um, it's, I think it's easy. It's not easy, but a, a great idea can come from anywhere. And people talk about all the time, you know, oh, I need to protect my idea and, and things like that. But I mean, share your ideas because it, it's going to come down to being able to execute on those. That's the hardest piece. And so to me, the, this, the sign of a great entrepreneur and the ones I've grown to respect are the best executors, um, not the right. ones that came up with the, the idea of something. Right. Yeah, that 
that's really awesome. And kind of speaking of that, I see that you're on a few boards and a mentor of Denver Startup Week and um, things like that. Is is giving back in that way, in that mentorship way, important to you? It definitely is. Um, I, I I have a few mentors in my life that I know the impact they've had on me and the, and the growth that I've had um, and saving me from uh, poor decisions or, or pushing me to, to dig in on ones that seemed a little crazy at the time. So um, I, you know, as, as far as the Colorado ecosystem goes, anything I can do to get back here, uh, I want to, I mean, I'm essentially an immigrant, right? Like uh, for, for Colorado, like I, I immigrated from California to start a new life here and a new journey. I didn't have a lot of friends and uh, I didn't have family. I had zero family here. Um, so those types of people that were mentors and, um, and colleagues really gave me the bridge and the foundation to grow. And so uh, I think it's a, a responsibility on my end to look for opportunities to give back uh, with any of the knowledge I can share. I have a little knowledge at this point, but hopefully it can be helpful to, to certain people in certain ways. And I don't have a lot of extra time to, to <laughs> necessarily mentor, but I look for very specific ways that I could hopefully be helpful and things I might uh, be somewhat intelligent around. So, um, yeah, I, I'm on the board of the CBCA, which is, uh, very focused on the arts here in Colorado and connecting artists and creatives with businesses and policy. Um, we built our business selling a lot of artists work and, and creatives, uh, work. And if I can think about how, um, to create opportunities for them as Colorado continues to accelerate and grow. I don't want the creative community get left behind because prices get more expensive here to, to create work in studios and right. studio space and just live and dedicate your life to art. It, it's, it's difficult right now. So um, through that, I, I see an opportunity to continue to give back there and help mentor artists and um, growing their businesses and entrepreneurship and things like that. So yeah, that's just one, as well as uh, one of uh, many things I'd like to be involved with over the next few years. And uh, Denver Startup Week continues to be that too. However, I can be involved there. I've hosted a handful of panels and really enjoyed that as a beacon for growth and and the startup community here. So yeah, those are a couple of things that are fun to uh, spend extra time on. Yeah, and I know you said you don't have a ton of extra time. But what aspirations do you have for yourself outside of the business? Oh, oh, this is great. Um, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in, with, in with my therapist right now, so let's uh, <laughs> unpack it. Um, no, I think I got married right before I uh, did the fundraise. So mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm continuing to grow as a husband and grow our family and we'll have kids eventually here and uh, continue to be a, a great, um, a, a, a great family man there and there for my wife, Erin. Um, she just got into real estate this last year. So can continue to figure out how I can help support her to be, you know, there's the amazing successful person she is in that space and, um, be available for that. Uh, I think 
also uh, be a good dog dad. We've got a puppy, so continue oh. to make sure we're raising a, you know, being a responsible dog dad and raising a good <laughs> dog that will one day be out there in the world at dog parks. So um, I feel like we're, we're, we're in pretty good shape there. Um, and, uh, and I, I think just continue to, um, I don't know, be there for friends and family during this crazy time. It's just so nice. Right. And I have, you know, I feel like people are going through so much between the pandemic and the fires that just happened. Um, yes. my wife grew up, uh, in, in Rock Creek and Superior. So, um, you know, there's just a lot going on in the world. So trying to, to have time available to be there for people and help and, um, and all that. And, you know, maybe, maybe get a few, uh, laps on the mountain and catch a couple fish in the river between, between all that. Yeah. I love that. I'm actually going skiing this weekend, so I need to get all my gear out. The packing is the worst part, but (laughs) yeah, it's worth it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, how do you ultimately measure success? Oh, um, that's a great Great, great question. How do I measure it? I guess that's that, that's depending on uh, what the goal is. Um, I think success is saying you're going to do something and doing it, mm-hmm. um, whatever that is in life. But having the conviction and, and the vision to get something done and uh, following through on that. Um, so holding yourself accountable to to getting it done. Um, so I, I think success is being able to point your ship somewhere and, and find land. And, uh, to me that can be with our, uh, our roadmap for the business this year. Uh, to me that can be having, uh, kids soon and being a great dad. So, um, I think it's just following through on all the great things you set out to, uh, accomplish. Yeah. Awesome. Do you think if you weren't doing guest house right now, like what else do you think you would be doing? Oh, um, that's a great question. I got pretty burnt out on advertising, so I don't think I'd do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to answer with the annoying answer. Uh, that's, I can't imagine, uh, what else I'd be doing. <laughs> nice. nice. We actually haven't got that before. So there yeah, you go. This is it right now. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Awesome. Well, to kind of close us out, could you describe your journey thus far using just one word? Roller coaster, baby. Love it. Highs and lows, ups and downs. Yeah, but uh, but it's at the end of the day, you, you get on a roller coaster to have fun, right? Right. Yeah, you willingly get on. <laughs> no, no one's, uh, hopefully you're not handcuffed to the room. Yeah, hopefully. No, that's yeah. a whole different issue. <laughs> um, well, is there anything else you'd like to add, Alex, either about yourself or about Guest House? Uh, no, I mean, I I guess if, if folks are interested um, in in our staging services in, in Colorado or California, you can go to guesthouseshop.com to get an instant staging quote and check out, reserve your date. Um, if you're interested in shopping from one of our hundreds of beautifully designed homes online and getting products delivered to your doorstep in as little as a week, uh, you can also go to guesthouseshop.com 
uh, and click the shop tab. And uh, we're going to be doing a lot of exciting stuff uh, this year. We've got some exciting announcements over the next month, uh, related to expansion and a few other things. So um, really feeling like 2022 is our year. Hope I, I believe that it's your year too. I, I think that we're getting the pandemic behind us and moving on. I think this is a, yes, going to be a very invigorating, <laughs> exciting, rewarding year for everyone. So Maybe um, too. yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, well, thank you so much, Alex. I so appreciate it. Your honesty and your positive attitude. And I may just go check out uh, one of your homes there. I do love interior design and real estate and all things like that. So thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Sliced Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Sliced, please email newsroom at startupblogpost.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.